Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Afternoon Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and with me, as always, is Charlie. Chuck Thompson, how's it going today, man? It's a fine evening, isn't it? Yeah, it's Friday. It is. You know? It, like like normal, I think we've said a bunch of times, I don't particularly get excited about Fridays because I I enjoy... I, I enjoy doing the day trading so much, and there's just not any day trading happening over the weekend. There isn't. Unless you want to trade Bitcoin. Like, you can do that. It does actually trade all the time. Even Forex, but, Forex closes tonight, too, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, Forex closes uh, over the weekend, opens back at like oh, 6 p.m. on Sunday, something like that. For the weekend. So anyway, it, it, we would have been earlier, but literally could not take my eyes off of this stock that was moving for, I mean, it was a good four to five hours. I was staring at this. So anyway, actually, actually the number one stock in volume today, pretty it, crazy. It even beat like the S and P and like all 500 that. million shares traded yeah. today. It's Completely insane. So Trump had that press conference about vaccines, by the way. And this was a stock that has what a 100% success rate so far. It's an, it's for an, it's an antibody treatment. Okay. It's a low dose. Because, you know, when you get therapeutic treatments through IV, it's a, it takes a huge toll on your body. Any type of biological modifiers or therapies or anything like that, it can take a big toll on your body. Well, this is a very low dose uh, that is showing 100% inhibition. How about in, that? In the experiment. And so this stock obviously ripped with that news. Uh, it's the possible cure for COVID. Maybe we can open up the economy. <laughs> they'll they'll find some other reason to not open up the economy. Yeah, they, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure they will. And all the while you're worried about coronavirus, there's all kinds of things going on in the background. And yeah. We're going to get to that today, all about some uh, the FISA. If you even know what that means, we'll explain it to you. And uh, we kind of alluded to it a little bit yesterday. I, I kind of went off the rocker. Uh, expect the same or more Charlie gets on this Friday. It is the most heated subject that Charlie talks about is is. FISA and the Patriot Act. Aaron Snowden, Edward Snowden is my dad, but I wouldn't be mad if he was. <laughs> okay. So Charlie, get. I had to turn down the volume just a little bit. We're having to start just a little bit more calm so far because Charlie's going to be screaming into the microphone <laughs> here in just a little bit. But it's possible. Yeah. Anyway, possible. Sub subscribe to the podcast, guys. Listen, it's not too late to get in on that sip and scan coupon. If you sip and scan, sip not a nice cold Coke Zero that Charlie's opening right there while you're also subscribing to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We have a 92% success rate for curing your need for Libertarian Podcasts if you actually go and do that. So that's pretty good. It's not quite 100%, but hey, it's pretty darn good. We talk life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. And you can't be mad at that, man. You can't. You can't. You can't be mad at life. Why would you be mad about that? Yeah, no one's mad about that. Something that we are going to be mad about, Charlie. Are we going to dive right in? Because I had a few other things to talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, I was just going to say, we mentioned a crazy day of trading. And so if you guys want to get in on mastermytrades.com, we teach you guys how to read charts. Um, you'll see what we're talking about when we look at these types of things, what the markets are doing and all of that. So if you just want to get a base level knowledge, improve your skills and all of that, go to mastermytrades.com. And then the contest that's running, um, I'm getting ready to release how you guys sign up for that. So you guys are pouring in the reviews. It's been absolutely amazing. And I wanted to go over some pretty funny ones that just came in. And uh, this one is, this podcast should be called Liberty for Dummies. 
So I can't welcome. tell if that is a compliment or or not. Well, uh, he's, he's not really sure how to take that. Well, he or she, it's da- Daisy. They go on to say, I swear this is one of the best podcasts to listen to. There you go. So there have been uh, topics they discuss that I'm not the most knowledgeable on, but the way they talk about things makes it so easy to understand and follow along, especially when we're pronouncing pronouncing uh, names. <laughs> For We're sure, really good. Yeah, you're you're at Arabic and Russian and especially French. Especially French. Probably do français. You know, so exactly. Also, the fact that they're both um, very funny is the cherry on top. If you want entertaining, unbiased political discussions, then definitely check these guys out. Another one, one of the top 200 libertarian podcasts out there. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm glad we made the top 200. Hey, a few years ago, we were not in the running for top 200 libertarian no. podcasts. So that's good. I'm, I'm happy to make it up there. So now we're in the top 200. <laughs> and uh, he goes on to say, though, thanks, Patrick. He said, probably even the top one or two. Dang good podcast, man. Seriously, though, these guys are great. And the show is very informative and entertaining. So great reviews. Keep those coming. Those get you five bonus entries into this contest and what this what is this contest well we're giving away five hundred dollars five hundred dollar stimulus package plus a lifetime subscriptions to master my trades uh the liberty trading academy so you can turn that 500 into whatever you want to if if you want it's up to you how you spend it so uh i can't think of a better time to give away a stimulus package of five hundred dollars than right now it- Maybe we'll yeah. see. You might be needing that 500 bucks sometime. We'll, we'll see, no, that, but it's okay. Now's the best time to do it. Hopefully the people that get it will buy things and that way you'll get value, yeah. you know, from that because that's how you build an economy, right? Is through consumption. Yeah. So you just give people more money to spend and, and the, you're, and you're going to get richer. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> exactly. Well, we told you guys throughout this entire thing, as we talk about coronavirus every single day, because it's just, it's just always there. And I've told you guys the whole time to pay attention to what's happening in the, in, in the background. And it's quite um, not surprising in my estimation that the government tries to do all kinds of things in these giant spending bills. And not only that, while everyone's worried about whether or not we're going to have a vaccine or all this stuff for coronavirus, uh, what do they do with FISA and your Fourth Amendment rights to be left alone, essentially, to not be searched or seized? without a warrant brought on by probable cause. They have determined that you do not have that right to they, be left alone. They actually, actually have. Yeah. Unless you're sending, unless you're sending like physical letters back and forth, you know, they can't just open your mail or anything, I guess. But, uh, you know, when they wrote the constitution, we didn't have computers or cell phones. So no one would ever it, thought it, this about did not that. pertain to internet search results or anything like that. I mean, geez, that's not what's in the constitution. They were talking about your actual personal papers, like physical paper. Come on. And then, of course, if you apply that logic to all the other amendments, how do you sit on that, Republicans? Uh, mm. I don't know. Maybe you should think about what the principle was behind the Fourth Amendment and not those actual physical things. Well, let's dive it, right in. Well, we were talking yesterday about this whole unmasking of Flynn thing. And then all of a sudden, it pretty much gets worse. Yeah. Like the government decides to vote on reauthorizing, violating your Fourth Amendment rights. 
and it gets a little bit worse. Yeah. Now they so, they apparently put something in here where it was supposed to appease the privacy advocates. They're supposed to have put restrictions on themselves that they will have to adhere to. Of course. For doing this. So yeah. don't worry. They're going to have a new oversight committee over them doing this. So there's nothing to worry about. It'll prevent like the NSA director from lying to Congress. It, I don't think they quite put that in there. Oh, God. yeah, I don't think so. So Senate votes to renew federal surveillance. You know, this was actually the best news piece I could find on all the other ones just had one side. And this one really does cover both. So this is actually from the Mojave Daily News, but it was a good recap. I, I found like eight articles I was trying to decide between. But the Washington AP, the Senate has passed legislation that would extend the set of expired federal surveillance tools designed to help law enforcement officials track suspected terrorists and spies, moving one step closer to reviving them. The legislation passed the Senate 80 to 16 on Thursday. The bill is a bipartisan compromise. I love it when they can come together on something. Mm. Isn't it great? That has the support of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. They do agree on something. They agree on this. Isn't that wonderful? The Justice Department, which had been part of the negotiations, said it appreciated that the expired authorities had been reauthorized but expressed disappointment with the tweaked version of the bill. So they're they're not happy because they didn't... Some of their powers were stripped in this bill, and it's going to be really tough for them mm. to spy on you. It's unclear how quickly the legislation can become law. The House passed the bill in March, but we'll have to pass it on again due to a change in the Senate. So the House passed a version of the bill. It went to the Senate. The Senate changed it. So now that it has to go back to the House, and then the House has to pass it again. And then Trump is going to have to sign this at some point in time, and we, I assume... He will sign it. Now, to remind you what happened yesterday, Rand Paul introduced an amendment just to try to give you a little bit more freedom to tell the federal government that FISA court should be off limits for American citizens. Now, doesn't that seem reasonable? It's just like one little amendment that says, I'm not trying to take all your surveillance away, Mr. Government. I'm just saying that (laughs) this court, this secret court shouldn't be used on American citizens. And of course, that was struck down. And so now they pass this. Uh, what's the name of this bill again? Oh, it's I think a, we're gonna get a, to a it. ridiculous name. You'll oh, we'll get to it here in a second. Sam said, "I need to speak to the manager of FISA." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's being a little Karen right there. Yeah, come on. Okay, uh, uh, good luck see. getting through on that call. Yeah, the bill. <laughs> you're, we're still on hold. We've been trying to talk to the manager of FISA for a little bit. They're they're busy due to COVID. The bill would renew the expired surveillance authorities and impose new restrictions to try to appease civil liberties advocates in both parties yeah just what we need yeah i feel appeased don't you feel appeased in this well, new bill of course you guys all know the government is the best at keeping themselves in check okay yeah they, they just are i i feel safe now that we yeah. know that they're going to over oversee themselves the provisions at issue allow the fbi to get a court order for business records and national security investigations to conduct surveillance without establishing that the subject is acting on behalf of an international terrorism organization and to more easily continue eavesdropping on a subject who has switched cell phone providers to thwart detection. Mm. The attorney general members of Congress have worked together to craft a compromise solution that will implement needed reforms while preserving the core national security tools. McConnell said on the Senate floor Wednesday, these intense discussions have produced a strong bill that balances the need for accountability with our solemn so solemn obligation to pre- that's their new word by the way this solemn is. 
with our so- oh we hate to do it to you folks we just hate to do this <laughs> i'm so solemn about this our solemn obligation to protect our citizens and defend our homeland what that's ab- all for you what about this is protection for you yeah, I, that's, we, that's the thing. We struggle to actually know the numbers on how many. Now, listen, we got an email from someone saying that they worked in that community and that there there have been things stopped that we didn't know of or that there were good things that, that we didn't know about that we can't know about for national security, of course. So, you know, uh, listen, this may or may not have ever stopped something. It may or may not have ever helped. Um, I don't know. Fourth Amendment is pretty clear, guys. I, I You can't really make an argument that would make me be like, oh, well, I guess I don't care about the Fourth Amendment then. Right. In, in that case. No, it's I'm not, not going like to do that. It's not like there's some <clears throat> loose interpretation of the Fourth Amendment no, or anything. No, McConnell urged senators to vote against amendments altering the bill. He said the legislation was already a delicate balance between tyranny and tyranny and warned changing <laughs> it could mean the underlying provisions won't be renewed. We cannot let the perfect become the enemy of the good when key authorities are currently sitting expired and unusable. We can't. Now, do you think they stopped? We can't let the perfect become the enemy of the good when key authorities are currently sitting expired and unusable. When our powers are currently sitting unusable, we cannot worry about perfect. Jeez. <laughs> but senators adopted one amendment anyway, with more than three fourths of the chamber supporting it. Another amendment came just one vote short of the 60 votes needed. By the way, Bernie Sanders did not show up for the vote on this, and that mm. uh, that amendment came up one vote short. The successful amendment from Republican Senators Mike Lee of Utah and Democratic Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont would boost third-party oversight to protect individuals in some surveillance cases. In some surveillance cases. Just so you know. Not all of them, just some of them. In a statement, Justice Department spokesman uh, Mark Raimondi said the department appreciates the Senate's vote, but that, as amended, the legislation would unacceptably degrade our ability to conduct surveillance of terrorists, spies, and other national security threats. So very upset about this oversight that's going to be over the top. Like, since when's the last time the Senate formed an oversight committee and then it stopped the government from doing things? Yeah, remember that. When did that happen? Don't they have an ethics committee and didn't they have all of these sexual allegations came out where they used taxpayer dollars to pay the Mm -hmm. victims off? Yeah. How good did that ethics committee do? I mean, it's just a bunch of hogwash. Yeah. Marie says, Marie says, you can't tell me when you did something good. Like, come on. You, I mean, they tout everything. Anytime, anything, something good happens. But this thing has done good things and you just can't tell us about it. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't say it. I mean, you would think they'd be just gloating all over the place. Look at the good thing we did. Give us more power, folks. Look at the good. There was a suspected no. terrorist plot no. that was stopped. We did good. We promise you. Promise. We promise. We just can't yeah. tell you what we did that was good. We'll declassify reports about political candidates' sons and you know political opponents. We'll declassify yeah. those. We'll declassify. Look, we gave you UFOs. Okay, <laughs> we gave you the UFOs. You what give, are you complaining about? You give us this stuff is important. Browser history. We gave you UFOs. You give us Google searches. It's give and take. Yeah. The proposal that fell short of 60 votes would have prevented federal law enforcement from obtaining internet browsing information or search history without seeking a warrant. This one pisses me off. That the is most. the one that fell short. Should law-abiding Americans have, this is a quote from Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, should law-abiding Americans have to worry about their government looking over their shoulders from the moment they wake up in the morning and turn on their computers to when they go to bed at night? Said, said 
Ron Wyden of Oregon? I believe the answer is no, but that's exactly what the government has the power to do without our amendment. Wyden co-sponsored the proposal with Senator Steve Daines of Montana. Sanchez, a senior fellow with the Cato Institute, a think tank, uh, said a near adoption of the amendment suggests a sea change in attitudes about surveillance. I believe it was a near Ron, adoption of the amendment. I believe it was Ron Wyden who uh, questioned James Clapper, um, who knew the answer when Clapper lied yeah. about it. Uh, that was back in aught nine, I believe. Aught. Yeah. Yeah. Back in aught nine. Somewhere around there well, when, when Snowden was exiled and, and spilled the beans on how much the government <laughs> actually spies on you. And uh, Ron Wyden knew the answer to that question because he's on the he's mm. on the intelligence committee. So he's privy to the top level clearance of what's going on and knew that Clapper lied. He was asking those questions on purpose. So uh, you have a friend in the in the realm of intelligence when it comes to democratic senator ron wyden now of course of course it didn't work because they asked clapper he lied and the, they couldn't say anything and then and then nothing happened after that yeah because if you say something <laughs> so, then you lose your security clearance yeah. and then you get charged under the espionage act yep it's absolutely ridiculous a third amendment by senator Rand paul this is what we talked about yesterday a longtime skeptic of surveillance programs was soundly defeated he got 11 votes to 85. it would have required the government to go to a traditional federal court instead of the secretive fisa court to get a warrant to eavesdrop on american and the national security investigation now why would that get shot down so much i i mean you just can't trust those traditional federal courts you've got to have a secret court yeah that's what it, I mean, maybe, you know, if I were going to play a devil's advocate, this is just true devil's advocate here. I would say, well, if we go to a traditional court and not a secret court, it's going to leak out that we know about this person, you know, so we they have to do this in secret. They seal you know? cases all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying they seal cases where you're not allowed to even talk about it. Uh, the congressional debate coincides with internal efforts by the FBI and Justice Department to overhaul their surveillance procedures after a harshly critical inspector general report documented a series of problems in the FBI's investigation and the ties between Russia and the 2016 campaign. The report identified significant errors and omissions in applications that were submitted in 2016 and 2017 to monitor the communications of former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. Though the problems revealed by Russian investigation relate more to the accuracy of surveillance applications than to the effectiveness of the expired tools that's part of the effectiveness of the tools by the way at issue thursday they nonetheless drew additional scrutiny to the government's spy powers as well as concerns from some in congress that those authorities should be reined in the fbi has announced steps designed to ensure that the application process is more accurate and thorough and that information that cuts against the premise of the requested surveillance is fully disclosed to the court so don't worry guys <laughs> they learned their lesson they're not going to do bad anymore. They're only going to be good. Yeah. That's it. Have no fear. We've adopted brand new organizational steps that you must follow and you can't get around them because there's no getting around rules. Uh, we're going to make sure that none of that happens. And if it does, you will never hear about it and they'll never get punished. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to you at all. <laughs> What's the live group doing? This is spilling beans against the machines. <laughs> That's what's going on. Listen, they're just spilling beans, man. We go off about. I had red beans and rice last night. It was delicious. We we go. Uh, did you make them fresh? Like, did you let them soak? You it know, was, for no, like a no. day. It was Zatarain's. Oh, okay. It was still delicious. I mean, you're you were from Louisiana. I. What do I do all day? I don't have time. You for put that. the beans in water and they sit there. They just sit there. That's hey, all they have to do. Nobody got time for that. We go off about FISA all the time. 
this is one of those insanely hypocritical things. And we always use, I always use the Second Amendment as an example because Republicans will be the first to tell you that the Second Amendment does not only apply to muskets, that it applies to your right to defend yourself against an evil and tyrannical government. And then you skip forward. Of course, they're fine. You know, they don't want to force you to quarter soldiers or anything like that. But then the Fourth Amendment... I never really understand what the Third Amendment is any, anymore. It's either that that you don't have to be forced to quarter soldiers or something like that. It's very important. It's yeah, very important around stuff. There. Very important stuff. But then they skip to the Fourth Amendment and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, we don't it doesn't apply to the technology of today. The actual meaning of the amendment doesn't matter. Well, what was the meaning of the amendment? The the meaning of the amendment was that you are a you are an individual that you own sovereign. yourself. You're, You're a sovereign. sovereign individual and that a group of people cannot spy on you and get in your personal stuff without your permission unless you are truly, I guess, suspected of committing some kind of a crime, whatever, which they could make up any time they want to so they could spy on you. Look, the but, Fourth Amendment couldn't be any more clear. If you want to talk about, oh, well, maybe <laughs> what did they mean by bare arms? What do they mean by militia? Like you can scrutinize the Second Amendment, which of course I don't believe that. I believe that in original language you have the right to bear arms, and that shall not be infringed. The Fourth Amendment is even clearer than that. It even it, in the way you read it, because it has this term here that I'm getting ready to read to you. It says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. That keyword right there, effects. That means everything that you do. Well, even your persons. I mean, that's yes. Uh, get out of my persons. Like, do you, you know? Get, do a, you, get away. Do you own your cell phone? Did you purchase it? Was that ownership transferred to you? Your house, your papers, your effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Shall not be violated. Wait, shall does it not. say shall or shall not? Shall not. Okay, checking, sir. And no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, which simply means you need a warrant. And that warrant, particularly, particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So not this is the Fourth Amendment has been in violation for a very long time. Yeah, because not only do you have to get an, a, a warrant. Supported by oath or affirmation, and that just means a judge, essentially, somebody sworn uh, by an oath or affirmed by, like, the president, somebody supported by oath or affirmation, they have to get a warrant, and that warrant has to particularly, like, it has to be very concise and clear describing the place to be searched. It can't be the house. It has to be, like, a specific bedroom under the bed in this shoebox. That's yeah. what we're searching. And in that shoebox, I believe that there's a person <laughs> or some things that have to be seized out there's of a, it. There's a noun of some kind. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's all that can actually be done. And this whole thing about technology, it's like, look, persons, houses, papers, and effects that covers everything that you own, everything that belongs to you. None of it can be searched unreasonably without and unreasonable means without a warrant. And it says shall not be violated, shall not be violated, shall not, shall not. I'm reading it right here. Shall not be violated. Yeah. 
And it's just, I don't understand how Congress can just decide that the fourth amendment doesn't apply because we live in an age of terrorists, man. That's they're coming to get you. And that's, that's the bad thing. You decide, you decide that you can draw a line and pay attention to some amendments when you're not going to pay attention to others. And it makes me have no sympathy when I, now listen, I'll agree when people on the right are arguing for the second amendment or the first amendment or whatever, I'll agree with that, but it doesn't, I don't have any sympathy when they're arguing for this because I'm like, dude, you get to be subjective and arbitrary with which one of these amendments you're going to pay attention to. Why wouldn't people on the left say that the second amendment doesn't apply in this scenario? You get to say that other amendments don't apply in certain scenarios. It's like, have a freaking principle, man. Have some kind of a principle. Either you're constitutional or you're not. Okay? Either you just want security or you want to be in your own little prison or something like that, or or you don't. All right? You're not really going to have liberty and security at the same time. You're just not going to. So pick one of them. And if you're going to follow the Constitution, then follow the MF and Constitution. Okay? Actually do it. Not just some of them. Not just a couple of them or whatever. Every single one of them. And if you don't do that, then your arguments are done after that. And that's the problem. That's why we have this going back and forth all the time. Because everyone is a hypocrite. Almost. Almost everyone is a hypocrite. And so none of these arguments matter. So they can be saying, well, the Second Amendment applies to this, this, and this. And then someone could easily just say, well, what? You don't care about the Fourth Amendment? They look and you're fine with people spying on your search results and and listen then on your phone calls and all this and you're like well, well they're they have a point they're right if someone makes that argument you don't get to pick and choose which one of the amendments you pay attention to yeah don't be a hypocrite and all the people out there that always say because i see this all the time all over social media and everything it's like well if you had nothing to hide nothing to worry about and edward snowden put this clear this is one of my favorite quotes that he's ever said he said Arguing that you don't care about the right to privacy because you have nothing to hide is no different than saying you don't care about free speech because you have nothing to say. And that just puts it so plain and clear in my mind. These people out there that are saying they're the same people that say, you know, when a cop, you know, unlawfully shoots a black kid and they're like, oh, well, if he just if he just would have, you know, listen to the law enforcement officer and you know, had his day in court. It's like, what are you saying that the cop has the right to be the cop, the judge and the executioner. If somebody doesn't do exactly what they say, you remember that kid, that drunk kid who was crawling on his hands and knees to the cop and his shorts were falling off. And he literally just went back to pull him up and they shot him right in the hallway. Like those types of things. It makes me so mad. It's like, well, if you just would have listened to what the cop said, like, dude, have you ever been delirious in your life? I used to sleepwalk as a kid. What if they saw me? Like, what if I was in a hotel? I just went down to the snack shop and started eating and drinking when I was sleepwalking. I had no idea what was going on. And the cops showed up and I didn't listen to what they were saying. And they just shoot me. Like, how is how in the world can you say that that is right? But that's, you know, there has to be a point when you're talking about the government and that does drive me nuts about these people who are, well, the second amendment is so you can overthrow a tyrannical government. But also if a tyrannical government officer tells you to do something, you better darn well do it. Yeah. And so what do you mean? Like, when are you going to overthrow a tyrannical government? If your principle is when the government tells you to do something, you better just darn well do it. 
that's you, they can't both exist at the same time. It don't make no sense. It just don't make no Sam, sense. Sam has been saying this all week in the live group. He says, "Time to toss some tea." <laughs> every day <laughs> it's about darn time man everybody get ready for the boot what's it called the boogaloo the boogaloo the boogaloo all right i think that's i think i've probably had enough of we of, had a of that we didn't do the dumb bleep of the week this week because i was just too busy but i did throw a throw in a dumb bleep article for you to tell us about oh, real quick this is amazing just a little drive-by news here on this but old greta old greta's in the news again yeah the onion can't keep up with CNN Network's coronavirus town hall to feature expert Greta Thunberg. Wow. You know, if there's anything in what I want to do with my life right now is listen to the wise words of the of a 17 year old. Yeah, that's what I want to listen to. Who's you know, her life is in complete despair because of climate change, except for when the coronavirus takes over. Now it's now it's this. Yeah. The climate change goes on the back burner. We'll spend all of our money combating this virus because if we don't beat the virus, we'll never make it 10 years later to all die from climate change. And you notice the answer is always we need to strip away people's rights and raise yeah. taxes and take money from the rich. Like it's always, oh, here's a reason we need to do this. Here's a reason we need to do this. Yeah, that's always well, here's, the answer. Here's the newest reason. All right. CNN's latest installment of its facts and fears town hall on the coronavirus pandemic will feature teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg as one of its experts. An expert! At 17! What expertise Thunberg can offer on the virus is a mystery. Hmm, imagine that. The town hall, due to broadcast on Thursday, will feature former acting Centers for Disease Control and Prevention head Richard Besser, former Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sibelius, Sibelius. Sibelius <laughs> and Swedish climate change activist Greta Thunberg. I just can't wait to see what she has to say. And of course, you know, we're all just bigots and misogynists and all that because we hate kid girls. That's that's, that's yeah. exactly what. Yeah. Listen to the children, Charlie. Yeah. They know best. Besser is a doctor and Sibelius is an experienced politician. Thunberg, by contrast, has no apparent knowledge on infectious diseases or public health policy and instead spent the last two years lecturing lawmakers and the public on the dangers of global warming, most notably when she delivered a tear-soaked speech to the United Nations last year, accusing world leaders of steering her childhood with their empty words on the environment. I'm sure she's somehow going to link coronavirus with climate change. I'm sure. Like if it just, if it weren't for the evil coronavirus, or I'm sorry, if it weren't for all the, the lack of, UV lights and you know all of this stuff. Even though apparently it was global, <laughs> I think it would warming. actually it would actually be yeah. the it would be this the opposite. You know, virus. we need the solution. The coronavirus is global warming. <laughs> like that's that's Release what would actually make it go away. Pump up the carbon. Get take that, the restrictor get plates that off. UV in here. That's we need NASCAR to get going this weekend <laughs> to pump that methane up in the airs, man. There we go. CNN has not yet stated what expertise Thunberg will bring to the table. Prior to her upcoming appearance, Thunberg has kept quieter this year than last, surfacing on Earth Day last month to remind the world that coronavirus shouldn't overshadow the climate crisis. <laughs> yeah. Never mind the panic and the fear of the coronavirus, a virus that actually has killed some people, although it's not as big, again, it's not as big a deal as everybody's making it out to be. We that we definitely shouldn't let people actively dying over the chance that people could potentially die 12 years from now. Yeah. We have to make sure that people dying 12 years from now is more important than people dying now. You know, because if they die now, we won't ever make it 
<laughs> you think it's she would be years. more okay with this because the climate change activists are generally in favor of the world being overpopulated and yeah. we need to depopulate the world somehow. I mean, you'd think that she would be like, good, good. They should do one of them cash for <clears throat> clunkers, but they're all, they're all dooleys. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets a dooley with the big exhaust in the back, you know, man? Yeah. Dooleys for Priuses is what we're going to call it. When you, <laughs> when, you, when you press the gas, a big cloud of black smoke pops yeah. up, you yeah. know? That way the earth warms up and the virus is gone. And then once it's gone, then we cut back our carbon emissions. Just get on to the next problem yeah. after that. You Look, know, we it, could solve these things in a podcast. If you're a climate change activist, you should be worried about this, by the way, because if there was no way we were going to accomplish the impossible feats that the climate change activists wanted before this all happened, because it was already going to destroy the economy when the economy was was pumping okay, I mean, it's completely impossible now. Like, we're going to have to focus back on making sure people have food, let alone getting rid of all of the fossil fuel industries and transitioning to more expensive energy and, and, and all of these things. Like, that, it's just, a, it, if it wasn't impossible before, it's clearly impossible now because the economies just simply will not support things like the Green New Deal or whatever different regulations they want to pass. So if you're someone who really cares about the climate and you think that that's going to destroy the earth in a little bit, then actually you would need to be more worried about the economy because the only way that you would be able to get any of your climate change measures passed is if the economy had somewhat of a possibility of being able to pay for those things, which right now it clearly does not whatsoever. It's like, how are you supposed to take this seriously? When an expert panel has Greta Thunberg on it for coronavirus, like that's how seriously you have to take this. A 17 year old young adult, whatever, a 17 year old who is is proficient in crying is now going to be up there telling us about what we need to do about coronavirus. And look, like, I how- wish her the best, obviously, <clears throat> like I she's 17. She's got a bright future ahead. And I hope that she turns things around. I hope I wish nothing but the best for her life. But I'm sorry, she's not an expert at anything in life. Like she doesn't even, <laughs> she just learned how to tie her shoes 10 years ago. All right. <laughs> Maybe 12. Okay. Like you, she doesn't have anything under her belt. There's nothing to show for it. She's beltless. Now, I'm not saying you can't be 17 and successful. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you can't be on an expert panel for coronavirus when you don't even have any credentials whatsoever. Not yeah. that I necessarily believe in licensing, but like perhaps if she had saved some people's lives recently, maybe it would make sense that she would have some medical knowledge or perhaps she has a homegrown lab where she has been studying coronavirus for the last six months and has some, some news on it. But maybe that's what she's been doing. She's no. going to release that on CNN. It's literally studies. Here's the thing. CNN as fake news as they are, they're not dumb. They're not dumb. They're putting her in here for the publicity. And that's exactly what they're getting. Like we're talking about it right now. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Sam made a good point that a lot of people have made. And if you haven't heard it yet, you can hear it here on the podcast. He said, if Rand Paul, I don't know if you guys saw the exchange between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci when he was being questioned in the Senate, but he said, if Rand Paul, who's an actual doctor can't comment to experts on the coronavirus because he's not an epidemiologist, but old Greta can join the virus board. You got to know this ain't about science and it's not about science. 
it's a marketing move it for is. CNN. That's all it is. And I'm going to watch it because I can't wait to laugh. That's <laughs> good. That's why. It's going to be so uncomfortable. Yeah. I'll watch the highlight reel. It'll be all right. So speaking of the economy, if you're worried about climate change or just a mass starvation or whether or not your 401k is going to get pumped up anytime soon, this is from Reuters. Near-term U.S. economic outlook darkens slow recovery to follow. This is from a Reuters poll of uh, some economists. An already dismal near-term U.S. economic outlook has darkened further in the latest Reuters poll of economists. And while a recovery is still forecast for the second half, the economy won't come close to regaining the ground that lost this year. Laying bare both the human and economic tragedy brought by the coronavirus pandemic, almost 4.4 million people have been infected globally, and the U.S. unemployment rate surged to 14.7% last month which is higher than the post-World War II record of 10.8% in 1982. U.S. gross domestic product was forecast to shrink an unprecedented 35% this quarter after contracting 4.8% last quarter on a seasonally adjusted annual basis according to the May 11 to May 14 poll. That is gloomier than a median 30% contraction predicted a month ago. In worst case scenario, the, in the worst case scenario, the economy will contract 41% this quarter. All right. The fate of the economy in Q2 and beyond is at the whim of the virus. Economists at JP Morgan noted, while the removal of restrictions is important to restart activity, any economic recovery will also depend on how willing people are to participate in economic activity and also how these reopenings affect the virus spread. An increasing number of states are gradually relaxing lockdown restrictions, egged on by White House keen to reopen the economy, despite widespread concerns that in many cases it may be too early. That's what Dr. Fauci said in the Senate, by the way. Yeah. He was like, well, because because of lack of testing, everyone's going to die. Like, really? Yeah. Like, that's what you actually think. Ugh. So in a worst case scenario, the economy was forecast to shrink 10% this year, suggesting a prolonged recession if there is a second wave of infections, as is already hitting a few countries. The cycle does not fit a mold. The downturn was painful and abrupt. There are now signs of life in the economy upon reopening, but the last stage of the cycle, the true recovery, will be challenging, said Michelle Meyer, U.S. economist at Bank of America. A staggering 20.5 million jobs were lost in April, the steepest plunge in payroll since the Great Depression. The unemployment rate for this quarter was forecast at 16.8%, up 3.1 percentage points from the previous poll, and nearly five times the reported 3.5% in February, which had been the lowest in nearly 50 years. So, listen, without boring you on all the, all the little details and all the different numbers, this, we talked about this a little while back when we were talking about the economy shrinking. When you're talking about the government spending money on things, where does the government get its money? The government gets its money by siphoning money off of the productive side of the economy. It just takes a percentage of what the, basically what the GDP is. I think it's maybe around 18% on average is what they'll get from the U.S. GDP. So when they are talking about the U.S. GDP shrinking by a total of 11% throughout the entire year, what does that mean for government tax receipts? And then when you ask yourself, what does that mean for government tax receipts? Well, what's happened to the government's budget? And this, like we've been saying, folks, this ain't going to last. This just is not going to last. Mm-mm. We're going we're gonna to have to, have to reopen the economy like that dude from Barstool Sports said. You know, it's a pretty good rant, by the way, from, so from that good. guy. Really good stuff. But we're going to have to reopen the economy. People's lives will depend on this. 
just like our you know lives are dependent on finding a vaccine or a therapeutic or a you know social distancing or or whatever lives are also going to depend on making sure that the economy does not completely crash down to nothing i don't really know how you know charlie what's your what's your feeling on the out are you still thinking lower for the for the stock market the stock market i i don't know really um because it's being propped up um and so you it's hard to tell what's actually going to happen in the market i think it i think it could take another dip i don't know if it'll surpass the lows that it hit on march 23rd i i think it's completely possible 100 percent, but i'm not sure i found it interesting at the end of this article here it said that the fed's balance sheet is forecasted to expand to 10 trillion dollars by the end of this year and stay around that level by the end of next year from about 6 trillion currently now keep in mind i went over this not that long ago uh back in 2008 uh in 2009 the peak that the fed had its on its balance sheets was around um i think i want to say in 2000 nine, it was 2.2 trillion is what they took on. And they sold some of it off and they've been keeping this balance. And now they're up over 6 million. They're at $6.9 trillion on their balance sheets going all the way up to 10. And this is never a good sign when the central bank has to take on this much debt. And then all that debt has to be serviced by the way. And the only people who truly benefit from that is the federal reserve. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Because when all that gets paid back, it gets paid back with interest. Now, uh, it also said last week, Fed funds futures began reflecting a chance of negative U.S. rates for the first time ever, despite strong guidance from the Fed that it, this was unlikely, including remarks from Powell on Wednesday. Not one economist out of over 100 polled predicted the Fed would adopt negative interest rates. Um, so it, it, I don't think that negative interest rates are out of the realm of possibility because where else do you go? Yeah. You're already basically at zero. Where else do you go from there? Well, you have to go negative. If you want to implore people to keep borrowing, well, then you go negative. It's the same thing um, that happened with, uh, with oil. When there was so much in production and not a very high demand, they literally paid people because they didn't have room to store it. So they were paying you to take oil barrels and put them in your garage. I really have. I haven't looked at the oil prices, but they did hit it hit negative thirty five dollars per yeah. barrel is what it hit. Literally, we'll pay you to take it off of our hands. They would have paid you thirty five bucks. So to come that, pick it that's up. kind of what the Fed's doing. They're saying, hey, you have to borrow this money and banks. You have got to make sure that people borrow this money. People have got to spend the money. That's how we pump up an economy is through just outright consumption. That's the best thing that we can do. You know, the, don't think about the fact that if we would have had a nice store of capital and resources when this whole thing happened, maybe we could have fallen back on that. You know, that that doesn't matter. That's not what we should think about. What we need to do is spend, 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 and then that's how we're going to pump the economy back up. This is not going to be good for the dollar. This is not going to be good overall for the economy. And, uh, you know, I'm not going long, long term on the market anytime soon. No, I still think it's possible that it could that it could really tank. I, I don't know if we saw the entire thing. We might just be on a little on a little, you know, pullback right now. And maybe we'll we'll go back down. But, hey, Trump's out there saying that we're going to have a vaccine by the end of the year. And uh, we got this one from 
well, I can't remember the name of it. Sorrento. Sorrento that says they have a hundred percent success rate so far uh, with the uh, with whatever the medication is that they have. It's an antibody therapy. Yeah. So, so that's you know. I saw this. Maybe thing. we do that, and then the economy just reopens back up, and everything's great. You know, I don't do know. You, but where do you think those thirty-five million jobs are? I don't. You they're they're just going to come right back. No, they're not. Yeah, it, it took over a decade to build them up. It's going to take some time because I don't think the same jobs are just going to come back. No. There will be less people doing things in public than there were beforehand. I'm not saying that it won't go back to high levels, but what you can bet on is that there will not be the same demand for public activities that there were a a year ago this time and that that probably will take a few years to actually come back meaning that most a lot of those jobs maybe waiting tables or or whatever it was are not just going to come right back there a lot of restaurants are going to be closing restaurants are barely profitable you have like I mean, as a restaurant, you've got like an 80% chance of going out of business when there, when there aren't restrictions and there's not a virus that's making some people not go in public. It's more like 99%. Yeah, it's, it's very high, very high rate uh, yeah. of failure. It's a risky business. For, for restaurants. So I don't think the same economy is going to pop back, but I, I try to have a positive outlook on the free market, whatever that is these days creating new things that we can't even imagine right now and that those that that market will pop up whatever it is and that those jobs will eventually be filled um i i do think that that can happen if it's allowed to happen i don't know if it will be allowed to happen well i think you'll see a lot more people shift over to the the technological uh sector and they don't seem to be too phased by this whole coronavirus because what are people doing at home well they're using technology That's how you stay connected. I saw this thing on Facebook that I found interesting because everyone wants to politicize it. It's like, you know, I'll just read it to you. It says, do you believe Anthony Fauci, who indicated today that America lacks insufficient, uh, lacks sufficient testing to reopen or President Trump, who says he disagrees with him? That's the question people are asking. And somebody responds and says, let me make it easy. Anthony Fauci graduated first in his class at Cornell Medical School. He has 30 honorary doctorate degrees. He has 40 years experience in this field. He has recognized the world over for his expertise. He hasn't ever been accused of telling a single lie. Trump has told over 18,000 lies and false statements in public in the last three years, all documented by date, time, location, and subject. He is profoundly ignorant. He has no credentials or experience whatsoever to challenge Fauci. And given his obsession with self and his pathological lying, only a complete idiot would ever believe him over Fauci. And, and I'm, that's not the way to conduct an argument. And I saw somebody share this and I said, this is, this was my response. I said, why does it have to be Dr. Fauci versus Trump? You know, here's the thing that's very important. Justin Amash tweeted this out the other day. Like just because you are a virologist or an epidemiologist or you're the top leading world renowned person. If Dr. Fauci is, you graduated top of your class. You've been in government for 30 years now, (laughs) advising presidents on all your knowledge and infectious disease and uh, allergy, by the way, I guess that has a similar autoimmune. Maybe Uh, you spent your whole life. Maybe you are the top guy in that, but you probably don't know almost anything about economics. And so when you say, Oh, I think, you know, a million people could die from this virus. Well, do you, did you know that maybe 5 million people can die from bad economics? So it's like you, you have to weigh these out of different levels of expertise. 
right? You can't just say like Rand Paul said that Dr. Fauci and what uh, he's the end all be all and what he says goes, you can't rely only on one field of study. It has to be a conglomerate of fields of study. So that's what I said. I said, why does it have to be Dr. Fauci versus Trump? This is the problem. People have to politicize everything. How about you think the virus is serious while at the same time looking at the data and realizing their predictions were so far off base. In fact, if you're under 70, your chances of surviving are 99.97%. So maybe we went about this all wrong. We should have quarantined the elderly and those at high risk and not crashed our economy because economies uh, do not have an age preference. You're just as susceptible to lose your job at 21 as you are at 60. The economic catastrophe caused by bad models will be felt long after the fear of Corona is gone. Yeah, that's that, good. That's going to be the problem. Did you end it with your with with your complete idiot? No. Okay. No, I didn't do that. See, you're never like if you're going to conduct an online argument and you actually have a goal in mind. If I was mind, on Twitter, yeah, if I was then on you Twitter, can say I would have said that. I ha I loosen my rules for Twitter for sure. But if you actually want to have a conversation with someone and sway them in some kind of a way. You know, you, you need to have a conversation in a way where maybe you both have the same goal, like the least amount of human beings dead possible, and you you can actually conduct yourself in a way that I don't, could have a positive end goal. When you call someone an idiot or you call them some kind of crazy name, like, I mean, just imagine you're in an argument with your wife and uh, you're like, this, 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 and this, and by the way, you're a complete B. Like, did... Is there any potential that something good is going to come from, the, from this conversation whatsoever? Like, right. the, there's no way that anything good is going to come from it. And in, and in fact, she didn't hear she doesn't she didn't hear a single thing that you just said except for except for the last thing. And that's the same way in conducting an argument with people online too. Like, do you want to actually have a conversation in the way where you could sway someone's opinion or get them the right information, or is this just a war? Is is that all it is? Uh, people really conduct their online conversations like like they're in a war, and uh, well, as I always say, get your brains. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Get your brains. So I mean, yeah, that's a good. You know, Fauci is not paying attention to what the economics of it is. That's not his job. He says this is how many people could die. This is how many people could die if we do this or if we don't do this, and that's his job. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you have to just do what his recommendations are because as a medical professional who is, you know, is going to look really bad if he says that we can reopen and then people die. Well, as that professional, like he's going to err on the side of caution. It's kind of like the FDA when they're looking at medications, you know, they, they can deny all kinds of medications and they can end up looking good for it. If they approve something and it ends up killing people, well then they could look really bad for that. So they err on the side of denying things. Because you can't really look bad. I mean, you can if you're people like us looking at it. But you can't really look bad because you denied a medication. Because, hey, better safe than sorry. Right? But then you could do the math and say, well, how many people could have potentially been saved by that medication? The problem is, if they approve something and then people end up dying, well, then they would end up looking really bad. Maybe they would have some of their powers. Maybe they'd be in timeout for a couple months. Something like that. They'd have some of their powers taken away. And so the, these people in the government, they always err towards the side of security. It's all to safety. save face. Yeah. It's all political. It's further proof that they don't care about you. Yeah. They actually don't care about you whatsoever. It's all to save face. It's all to, it's all to say, well, at least things weren't as bad as we were predicting. I'm glad we shut everything down. 
Sorry, you're out of a job. There's a great meme that Austin uh, Peterson posted that I'm going to steal and post for us. Um, <laughs> it, it's a it's a flyover of a jet, and the jet spelled out the words "Sorry, you lost your business." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you lost your business, but here's a flyover for you. You know, that's awesome. Sorry, you lost your job. Sorry, you lost your business, but I'm glad. The blue angels are out there flying over people. <laughs> That'll make you feel good. That's awesome. It's a really, really good meme. So you can't see it on camera. I tried to show the live group. It just looks like a it, big. It just looks like lit a, up screen. Lit up screen. Yeah. Sorry about that. So, but it's funny. It's a picture of a plane, and it just says, "Sorry, sorry, you lost your business." But look at this pretty flyover and talk about it with your friends, and you know, tell everyone how great and wonderful flyovers are. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just uh, you just. Uh, can't make this stuff up. You just can't. The people in the live group are cracking me up right now. I mean, people think that we're funny on this podcast, but like all the materials there for us. They're <laughs> chatting in Trump voice, and yeah. they said that that's what they're doing it in. So it's it's pretty funny. Sam Look, says my knowledge of viruses is amazing. The best. Everybody else lies. Wrong. False. I'm bigly good at viruses. <laughs> <laughs> Marie said China. <laughs> but if you watch the press conference today, which we did. Uh, he's he said China so many times, just like that. Yeah. Oh, well, this was China's fault. <laughs> it was China. <laughs> now, 186 countries oh, man. are affected by this virus. Russia, they got hit. Russia's getting hit bad. They're real bad. It's all came from China. Yep. It's their fault. China. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, listen, to leave you on a positive note, we're still dear friends. Okay. And we're still going to be right back here Monday. All right. There, there you go. There's all the positivity I have for you. <laughs> Maybe there'll be a vaccine and we can all be let out of our cells sometime so we can actually uh, go out and, and conduct business again. We'll see. But until then, hey, just work on not being dependent on whether or not that happens. You know, work on dependent on yourself for your own income to where it doesn't matter if some kind of economy gets shut down because you're so, so powerful, so rich, so evil, so powerful that none of this matters whatsoever. Be, be an Elon Musk in this world, okay? And find a way to do that. Maybe you don't have to become a, a multi-billionaire or whatever, but get yourself in a good financial position. That way you can take care of yourself and, and your family and, and help them. And then maybe they can get in a good position and they can help people. And that's the best thing that we can do is all take that responsibility on ourselves and stop worrying about all of this stuff. You know, I'm not changing anything I'm doing throughout the day because of all this coronavirus stuff that's happening. Still working on building the business, building the podcast, trading stocks, doing all this stuff just like normal. So you guys, what I would say is uh, don't let it, don't, don't, don't let it grind, grind you down. Okay. Just, just don't, don't do that. You know the thing, you know, the, you know, the thing, all the men and women, you know the thing. Don't grind it. Don't grind it down, okay? <laughs> no, but we all just need to take that responsibility upon ourselves to make sure that we're not dependent on any of this news or whatever it is that the government does. You know, that way we can help people who who aren't in that position yet. So that's what I'm working on every single day, just so you guys know. Yeah, and that's a uh, great thing to work on. We'll be, we'll be right back here on Monday, guys, just so you know. Uh, if you're interested in trading whatsoever, we were so enamored with this stock today just ripped up from like four bucks in the pre-market all the way to hit a high of nine dollars today and it's one of those vaccine companies we were talking about but anyway we can teach you how to analyze that to the point that you can jump in a trade like charlie and i both did 
and uh, and take that for some profit. If you're interested in doing that, I warn you, day trading is addictive. Okay, it's very addictive. It's risky. I, I looked away from my computer probably two times within a span of like five hours. I mean, it was crazy. Crazy. I barely even had time to go pee the whole time. I haven't eaten any food yet today <laughs> whatsoever. So, I mean, it, it's very fun, very addictive. And yes, there is risk involved. But if you think you can learn all the strategies, learn how to analyze the market, learn about support and resistance, you want to learn how to read charts, use order platforms, some of the strategies that we use every single day, you can go to mastermytrades.com. And maybe that's something that you'll enjoy, that you'll want to get into doing. Uh, or maybe it's not for you, but go check it out, mastermytrades.com, and you could have one of those work-from-home things where you can just do something for the first hour of the day and then go fishing afterwards. I don't know what I don't know what you want to do. Fix your house, maybe. Fix your house afterwards. Who knows? Put in new countertops and remodel your kitchen, all kinds of stuff like that, So, like I do every single day. Yeah. I put in new countertops in my house every day, apparently. That's how many new countertops I have. It's crazy, guys. I'm still not done with my kitchen. Just so you know, still working on it. I don't. If you follow this podcast, you know I've been talking about my kitchen this entire year. You would think that this entire quarantine, we would have done that, but instead we decided to remodel the upstairs um, before the kitchen is done. So my whole house is getting replaced, and it's going to look amazing afterwards. Hopefully, the housing market does not crash. That'll suck. But I just found a dumb bleep of the week. What is it for our, for everyone? For especially for the live group because they. It's the, it's, it's the winner. We don't have to have a contest this okay. time. This is coming from AOC. <laughs> oh, of course. She's responding to, uh, to Jonah Dispatch. I don't know who that is. Jonah Goldberg. Um, she said, hey there, totally get it if you're not bothered to read the legislation you're commenting so author uh, authoritatively on. Get this, by the way. This is what she says. The Green New Deal is a non-binding resolution of values. It does not have a price tag or CBO score and cost us $0 if passed. So now the Green New Deal is $0. It costs us $0 it's if it's zero. passed. Yeah. Okay. And it's non-binding? It, yeah, non, it's non-binding. How so about So there's that? no reason why we shouldn't do it. Why we get so upset about this thing? It's, no it's not going to have any actual rules that you have to adhere to, that anyone has to adhere to at all. This is so and it's going to be free. It's so unbelievable. Man. Oh. I mean, she look at her just coming in right at the end of the race and taking it every single day. Yeah, you don't have to look very far. If you want to do the dumb bleep of the week, just bet on AOC. When we start opening up betting, we're going to get the betting done for the website so you can bet on who's going to be the dumb bleep of the week. Just always bet on AOC because she's going to take the cake. So, guys, we'll be right back here on Monday. Subscribe to the show. Tell a friend. Tell your communist uncle about this. That's how we grow this movement is maybe you guys start a podcast or a blog, a website, something like that. Or if you're not going to, share some stuff like this. Leave us a rating and review. Tell your friend. Tell your communist uncle. Listen every single day, at least three times a day. And uh, go ahead, you know, just to soak in everything. Yeah. You know, just listen frequently as frequently as you possibly can if you're interested in chatting with us on the live group you can go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty we always have fun hanging out with these guys every single day you get to have videos of me just free thought on my way to work a couple times a week extra podcast episodes sometimes so go on to patreon.com slash good morning liberty pre-show post-show all kinds oh. of good stuff yep so as nay said patreon.com slash good morning liberty and also mastermytrades.com 
and get in on some market action. There's never been a better time than uh, this whole whipsaw of a market. And you guys can understand exactly what's happening. Maybe you can pick the dip. Maybe. Could be you. Why not you? Mastermytrades.com. So if you guys do all of that, then we'll be back again on Monday. Hope you guys have a good weekend and a good afternoon liberty. What's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town.